Hey detective, welcome back to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, a podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in the Nancy Drew file series. I'm your host Teagues and today's book is case number 28, The Black Widow. Hello from Argentina. Well, no, I'm not actually in Argentina, but Nancy is. Yes, that's right. Book 28, The Black Widow, takes place in Argentina, Buenos Aires to be precise. I think this is the furthest Nancy's gone away from home. Anyway, before we get into it all, I just want to say I hope you're all doing well and that you had a lovely holiday period and hopefully 2021 is treating you well so far. So The Black Widow takes place in October 1988 and like always let's go over some real world events that were happening in October 1988. So Brazil adopted its constitution and the only reason why I'm adding this in is because part of this book takes part in Brazil. The Seoul Olympics were in full swing. Red Red Wine by UB40 was at the top of the billboard charts and notable movies that were released in October 1988 include the film Moonwalker featuring Michael Jackson and cult horror classic Halloween 4. To those people who have listened to every single episode of the Nancy Drew Rendezvous show would know that I am obsessed with cruisers. I don't know why. I just love them. I love water. I love boats. I love sitting back and drinking cocktails. I like eating lots of food and I like exploring islands. Um, And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because this book takes place on a cruise ship. Not the entire book, but the majority of it takes place on a cruise ship. So, of course, I automatically am absolutely loving this book because it took part on a cruise ship. Uh, And not only that, it's the furthest that Nancy's been away from home to solve a case. Before that, the only time she had gone overseas in this series was to... Canada and Canada isn't really considered overseas and I guess Hawaii was pretty far but it's still in America but technically overseas. So this time she is in Argentina and she's going on a cruise to Brazil to celebrate Carnival which is a celebration that occurs about a week before Lent begins. So People in Brazil just throw a huge party and dance in the streets and millions of people take part. So that's really cool that they incorporated that event into the book. Anyway, let's get straight into our cover discussion for book 28, The Black Widow. As I said, The Black Widow is taking place on a cruise ship, so... Actually, instead of there being like a Nancy in the foreground and then a got an attractive guy in the middle, we actually have Nancy and the attractive captain. No, he's not a captain. He's like a crew member. He's wearing like a cruise ship outfit, like something that someone who works on a boat would wear, um, you know, the white with the the sleeve thingies. I don't know what they're called. I should know. I spend enough time on cruise ships. So yeah, they're kind of like leaning against the railing. Nancy is wearing a pale yellow dress. I really feel like pale yellow is Nancy's favorite color because she seems to wear yellow all the time. And in the background, we've got the same attractive young man kind of like passed out with his head on Nancy's lap and Nancy's wearing a 
a pink dress this time. So she's kind of mixing it up. Nancy actually looks like a young lady this time. Well, not super young. She looks like she's a 20-something-year-old instead of a 40-year-old woman, so I really like this. And, yeah, this like cover tells you that it's a crew. It's based on a boat or a cruise ship, so I really, really like this cover. If I was in the bookstore, I would have picked this straight up, straight away. Uh, the book is called The Black Widow, uh, and Black Widows are very, very famous deadly spiders. The beginning of this book starts off really fast-paced with Nancy yelling out, look out, you're going to kill that guy, to an erratic chauffeur. I don't think we've had any openings so dramatic so far. Uh, And also Carson lays into the driver telling him to be more careful. So that's a bit weird to like, you know, start off with, oh my God, someone's going to die, even though it was just talking to a crazy driver. As we know, Carson and Nancy have a lot of friends in high places, including one particular friend that is captain of a cruise ship who has graciously invited Nancy and Carson down to spend a few days on the ship. Carson and Nancy are driving through Buno areas and, like always, the descriptive text of the town sounds beautiful. It reads, An enormous stone cathedral loomed against the brilliant sky, Businessmen in pinstriped suits and elegant afternoon shoppers thronged the square, brushing shoulders with vendors in multicoloured cotton ponchos. The summer sun shimmered on the paving stones, drenching faces with reflected light. Oh my god, that sounds beautiful. I would love, 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 love to go there one day. I definitely will. Once COVID's over, I'm definitely packing my suitcases and travelling as much as I possibly can. So the person who has invited Carson Nancy onto the ship is a man named Captain John Brandt, and he is an old friend of Carson's. Carson hasn't seen this man since Nancy was born, so at least 18 years. I wonder if Carson and Nancy paid for this trip. Otherwise, shouting someone you haven't seen for 18 years is extremely generous, don't you think? The cruise they are going on starts in Buno Aires and ends in Rio de De Janeiro, where Ned is meeting Nancy. Gosh, these people are so rich. I wonder how much an airfare to Brazil was back in 1988. And once they get there, they will celebrate Carnival. The ship they are sailing on is called the Emerald Queen. The captain comes down to the limo and meets them with his shining eyes. Why does everyone have like shining eyes? Everyone in the book has shining or dark eyes. I wish I had shining eyes. How do I make my eyes shine? (laughs) Sounds like such an attractive feature. Captain Brant greets them and Carson and the captain do the usual middle-aged men catch up. You know, the whole, oh, they'll invite anyone to this country and, oh, you've put on a few kilos since I've seen you last time, chap. Then we're introduced to the captain's other special guest and by special guest, I mean it means he did treat them to the vacation. The lady's name is Nina Del Silva and she looks about 35 years old. She's attractive and she has dark hair and long eyelashes. I found like a lot of people in this book who have dark long hair also have long eyelashes. Cecilia in the previous book did as well. It's like no one ever just has dark hair with normal eyelashes. I don't know. Like it's just a weird thing. The ghostwriter seems to do a lot in the books. The lady's late husband, Hector de Silva, was a colleague of the captain's. 
late husband, hey? Hmm, I guess now we know why the book is called The Black Widow. Black widows are kind of known for eating their mate. Did Nina kill her husband? Is this what that book's going to be? Nina also is very interested to learn that Nancy is a detective. So I've got a feeling our potential mystery will be about Nina and surrounding Nina and might have something to do with spiders. I don't know. This is just a preliminary guess right now. They all board the ship and they get a tour. The captain has placed the trio on the best deck, the opal deck. All the other decks, as well as this deck, obviously, are named after precious jewels. They mention that Nancy is in her northern hemisphere winter clothes, which means that this book took a couple of months after Most Likely to Die, which took place in the summer. However, we know Carnival takes place before Lent, and... Easter is generally in March, April, which is in autumn in the summer's hemisphere. So yeah, there's some continuality errors, but we've come to expect that in these books. So the cabin that they were assigned to is luxurious and Bess and George, being the great friends they are, had organized a gift to be left for Nancy. The gift is a tiny bikini, which Bess has not been able to convince Nancy to buy during an earlier shopping spree. Nancy thinks Carson won't approve of the bikini. I say you're only 18 once, go for it, Nancy, wear it. Nancy's also worried that her dad isn't going to approve of the evening gown that she's purchased, which is a strapless deep blue dress. Ooh la la. Okay, like, Nancy, you're 18, just wear whatever you want, but then I guess you do need to be respectful if you're on vacation with your father. All right, so we know that Nancy never gets a proper vacation, and of course, this book is no different. Someone has slid a note underneath Nancy's door. It's a picture of a black widow spider and the letters A-W-N-P-I-Y-N-F. And a note that reads, the black widow is the key, time is running out. So this is all very interesting straight away. Only the captain and Nina know that Nancy is a detective. So what does the note mean? Nancy goes to show the note to Carson. However, Carson is not in his room and he's knocking on the door of Nina's room and then all of a sudden they hear a scream. They rush in to find Nina pale and on the floor and on her dresser is a box of chocolates and a black widow spider. This is all in chapter one. What a jam-packed intro. Inside the chocolate box, there are many, many more spiders. Nancy grabs the towel for protection and then hurls them over the side of the ship into the ocean and thankfully avoids getting bitten by the spiders. Thankfully, Nina didn't get bitten and she puts the incident down to a practical joke, which is some weird practical joke. Okay, I'm just going to like, you know, leave a box full of spiders in your room Like, yeah, that's very weird. She insists that the incident is to be forgotten and not to tell the captain, which I guess is fair. Like, we don't want the captain to be stressing that his guests are getting practical jokes played on them. Nancy has an incident with a blonde and artificially pretty girl, whatever that means. Uh, Does it mean that her hair is fake and she wears a ton of makeup? Anyway, Nancy accidentally bumps into her and apologizes, but the girl retorts with, Listen, honey, maybe you need to go back to charm school and learn to look where you're going. 
Oof, what a character. I'm sure she will be appearing again in the book soon. They do the muster drill and learn about the ship's safety. There is a mention of never having to use the lifeboats. Somehow I feel that they will be using them sometime in this book because, you know, it's kind of foreshadowing things. Nancy notices that the crowd seems to be younger than your average cruise passenger and wishes that Bess was there because one of the staff members is hot. I'm sure like, yeah, Bess would have loved to have come, but I don't think she can afford it. It's dinner time and Nancy is seated at a large table, which includes the cruise director and the blonde girl from earlier. There's something magical about going on a cruise ship and being seated at like a table full of like strangers, I guess. I really enjoy it. It really puts me out of my comfort zone. And when I go cruising, my cruise buddy doesn't generally like to eat in the restaurants. They prefer to go to the buffet and whatnot. And I would prefer to eat in the restaurant. So I'll be like, okay, I'm just going to go to the restaurant by myself and meet people. And it's really good because you get placed at a table with people that you don't know and you get to learn so much about random strangers and yeah I just find it really fascinating although when it comes time to talk about myself I get really shy and I just like yeah just do more listening than talking about myself. Seated at this particular table is the blonde girl from earlier. Her name is Lynn Ashley and she's a spoiled southern belle who cruise director Randy is in charge of. We have Nina Carson and a newlywed couple called Matt and Melissa Jordan. Uh, They're on their honeymoon. So the general introductions happen, and then the table starts talking about crime and how big-time crooks spend all their money living in luxury in Rio de Janeiro. We also learned that there was an emerald jewel theft, and the investigation hit a dead end when it got to the cruise liner, which was actually this cruise ship. So I feel like this book might involve an emerald jewel thief and the cruise ship. Just just guessing, just guessing, <laughs> but I'm thinking it's pretty ob- obvious. Uh, Nina is also wearing an emerald necklace and people joke telling her to be careful. So I think this emerald jewel thief Fifth, rather, uh, is going to be connected to Nina somehow. They also mentioned that Nina is trying to send an SOS to Nancy telepathically. Uh, so maybe Nina's feeling uncomfortable with this conversation and maybe she knows something about the jewel theft. The dinner is interrupted by the hotel manager of the ship, Antonio Ribeiro, and he welcomes all the guests to the ship. He is tall, dark, and smooth. However, once Antonio and Nina catch each other's eyes, there are death stares all around. Guess these two have a secret. I want to know what the secret is. Could they have something to do with the Emerald Thief? I still don't know exactly how the Black Widow spider comes into things, and right now Nancy doesn't seem to be super interested in any particular mystery. I'm just going to put a side note out there. Carson and Nina are flirting a lot, which feels weird to me. Nina is 35 and she's younger than me, and if Carson was flirting with me, I feel it would be weird. I don't know. I see Carson as my father because I grew up with Carson and Nancy in my life. Is that weird? Am I weird? Can you relate? Like, does anyone else see like Carson as kind of like similar to their own father? And the fact that now you're in your 30s or older, the fact that Carson is flirting with a 35 year old just seems off. 
<laughs> anyway, I digress. The next day, Nancy goes to see Nina to talk more about the spider incident. She catches Nina looking at what looks like cruise ship blueprints, but Nina insists that they are of a building and it's unfinished business of her late husband. Also, being widowed at 35 is heartbreaking. Poor Nina. Unless she killed her husband, of course. Nina doesn't want to talk about the spiders and Nancy leaves. Carson is really annoyed at Nancy for being suspicious of Nina after Nancy fills Carson in. He really, really, really likes this Nina woman, it seems. Nancy goes for a swim. There's also something amazing about being in water on a vessel that's floating on water. Like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop rambling about my cruise ship affinity. (laughs) Nancy's relaxing is interrupted when she overhears Nina and a man talking. Don't play games with me, Nina. You know I want the map. I know all about your double-crossing husband, and I have proof. So you'd be well advised to simply hand the map over and keep your mouth shut. Yikes. So thankfully, Nancy manages to escape before she gets caught overhearing or eavesdropping on this conversation rather and finds herself in an empty cabin only to suddenly have a hand over her mouth and her arms pinned against her side. Okay, that's scary. Nancy elbows her way out of her captor's grip who turns out to be Randy, the cruise director. Okay, why is Randy like attacking Nancy like this? You're supposed to be nice to your guests? Anyway, it turns out this empty cabin is actually Lynn Ashley's, the Southern Bells room, and Randy was simply getting something for her, but Nancy took him by surprise and he grabbed her as a joke. That joke would not fly these days. One, you don't just grab women like that, and two, that is no way to treat a guest, and I would be going straight to the captain to make a complaint that, yeah, I'm not trying to be a Karen or anything, that is just not cool. Nancy makes up some excuse by saying that she was looking for a towel in the, and that's why she was in the room. That's like the worst cover ever, Nancy. You could have also gone with something like, oh, I was also looking for something for Lynn. Randy really isn't paying attention though. Nancy looks at Lynn's jewelry and realizes her pearls are fake and that Lynn is probably not as rich as she's pretending to be. Randy flirts with Nancy and offers her a moonlight dance. Okay, first of all, you grab Nancy from behind and like put your hand over her mouth and now you're asking her on a dance. You're not being a professional cruise director at all. Thankfully, Nancy turns him down. Good girl, Nancy. We learned from Randy that it's his second time on the Emerald Queen and he was hired because he's an all-American type and it makes his American passengers feel more comfortable okay whatever he also worked in Europe for a bit and then got transferred back to South America Nancy asks Randy a bunch of questions about Nina and Antonio and he doesn't have an opinion on the weird looks that they gave each other and she also asks Randy if he thinks that Antonio has a shady past, but the insufferable Lynn appears before he can answer. Nancy wonders if Lynn has been listening and interrupted the conversation on purpose. I, I really doubt it, Nancy. Like, why are you trying to find a mystery where a mystery doesn't yet exist? I guess, like, she did overhear Nina talking to a man who was asking for a map. Could that map be the blueprint that Nina had in her room earlier? I don't know. I guess we'll keep reading. 
Just a side note, I love how straight up Nancy is being with all these questions. She's claiming she's just curious and always asks a lot of weird questions about people, but this is just too weird for me. Nancy thinks that he is hiding, he being Randy is hiding something, as well as everybody else on the ship. So right now, Nancy thinks that everybody's hiding something. Okay, Nancy, how about you just try and enjoy your vacation? Nancy and Carson have lunch and we learn all about Nina. We learn that she was born in the States, but she went to Brazil to teach. She met and married Hector de Silva about five years later, but she went on teaching and working with the local poor people until his death last year. Nina didn't need to teach for a living because Hector was a wealthy shipping magnet, magnate rather, but she wanted to teach just because she enjoyed it. Nancy then says out loud that the fact that uh, Hector was a shipping magnate, that that would be a good reason for Nina to have a ship blueprint if she's taken over her husband's work, and then wonders out loud why Nina hid the blueprint. Carson gets really angry and lays into Nancy and tells Nancy to respect Nina's privacy and only help if Nina asks for it which I think is 100% fair. Like, do you have the right to go digging into somebody's life just on a suspicion? Like, if you have a suspicion that they might be in danger or something, does that give you the right to just go and be a sticky beak if they haven't asked for help directly? What do you think, detective? Who's in the right here, Nancy or Carson? Like, I know that Nancy's going to end up saving the day somehow and saving people's lives. But it's also really, really rude to go snooping around. Like, it's a really tricky situation. I think I'm on Carson's side here. Nancy is really annoyed because agreeing to that goes against her instinct. Like I said, I hate it when people get involved in my business without asking and Nancy does it all the time but it always does work out well in the end. I just wish Nancy could respect people's wishes despite her good intentions. And look we all know Nancy won't listen. I wonder if Carson will get angry later on or just be like oh great work Nancy I'm so glad you went you know and snooped into people's lives and it worked out and I guess we'll see. Anyway that's enough of a rant. Later that evening, Nancy hangs out with Melissa, part of the newlywed couple that are on the ship. They are in a plush cocktail lounge awaiting the captain's welcome, which is another fun part of every cruise ship experience. Uh, In the cocktail lounge, Nancy manages to corner Antonio, remember the hotel director, and makes jokes about the ship being big and needing a map and that Nina had told Nancy that Nina will give her one. Again, Nancy, this is ridiculous. Why would you say this to Antonio out of nowhere? Are you trying to see if like he has a reaction to see if Antonio was the man that Nina was talking to? That would be the only thing that makes sense. Also, all ships have normal maps for guests. So I, yeah, this is like really, really weird and it would make Antonio suspicious of Nancy. I don't know. I just feel the whole situation is stupid. Later that evening, Nancy returns to her cabin and she finds a bunch of flowers with a note that reads, To Nancy Drew, for your funeral. (laughs) That's actually obscene, but also kind of cool. The ultimate passive-aggressive move, and if I had grudges or hated people, I'll probably steal that idea. 
Here, have a bunch of beautiful flowers. Oh, by the way, they're for your funeral. So I guess, you know, we're saving money for your family. I've pre-brought the flowers for you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyway, Nancy gets all hashtag boss babe and dresses up in a peach-colored dress and matching pumps. Nancy, like I said earlier, really adores her peach and yellowy type outfits. I hate them on her, but alas, she's her own woman and she can wear whatever she wants and she heads to dinner. After an insufferable dinner dealing with Lynn again, Randy then asks Nancy to dance and claims dancing will clear the cobwebs out of Nancy's mind. Nancy instantly thinks of the spiders and considers that Randy might be involved. I think like cobwebs is just a figure of speech, but good catch there, Nancy. Okay, let's go over the mystery so far, or should I say lack of mystery. What is Nancy actually solving? I guess there's the spider note and the spider in the chocolates. Who did that and why did they do that? And I guess what's up between Antonio and Nina? Why did they look at each other like they could kill each other? And now we also have threatening flowers. Both Randy and Antonio have access to the cabins so they could have easily arranged all the incidents. And what was Randy actually doing in Lynn's room? Was he there really to get her a towel? Is he really in charge of looking after her? Why would you need a babysitter on a cruise ship? It just seems all weird to me. Nothing makes sense. We also know that Nina was hiding blueprints and Antonio just seems to be a bit off. I feel like Lynn is harmless for now. However, why is she pretending to be rich? Like that makes no sense. Also, there was the whole jewel thief incident. So she might be involved with that, but that's a long shot for all. I guess Nancy really wants to know why someone put spiders in Nina's room and who sent her the note and flowers. Someone is hiding something and Nancy appears to be determined to get to the bottom of it. After dinner, Nancy organizes Melissa to distract Randy and heads to investigate Antonio's room. She finds it and breaks into it with a nail file. Don't ships have security cameras? I guess if Antonio is involved in something, all will be forgiven. Being friends with the captain of the ship really doesn't go astray, I guess. It's like, oh, Nancy did that. Oh, that's all fine. Let her break into, you know, our staff's cabin. I'll forgive you. It's just, oh... Nancy gets away with so much. Inside the room, it smells strongly of Antonio's musky cologne. I should mention Antonio's cologne is mentioned every time Antonio is mentioned, so I feel like it's going to be relevant to this mystery. In Antonio's drawers, Nancy finds a financial statement written in Portuguese and only being fluent in Spanish and French, Nancy can't read it. However, Portuguese and Spanish are similar, so she feels as though she might have some idea of what is being said on it. Thankfully, she recognizes some of the words, which are map and Nina da Silva. Bam, a connection between the two people. But we already knew something was up between uh, Nina and Antonio, but now there's proof that they have a connection. Someone walks into the cabin, but thankfully they don't see Nancy, which is wild because crew cabins are really, really small. Nancy wants to grab the financial statement and escape, but whoever came back into the room took the financial statement with them. She's annoyed she can't prove to her dad that there was a mystery. Sorry, Nancy, mystery or not, they didn't ask for your help and I still feel that it's rude. 
Back on the dance floor, Randy is laying it on thick and Nancy tells him about Ned. And Randy doesn't care and that they still have two days together on the ship before they arrive in Rio. Ah, this guy is so disrespectful. I really, really hate this Randy dude. Why do hot guys think they can just do anything they want? Carson is even more angry at Nancy for interfering and snooping when she presents him with what she found. In fact, the following exchange takes place. Nancy, are you still under the impression that Nina De Silva is in trouble? I assure you. But Dad, just listen to me for a moment. Yesterday I heard someone threatening her and I'm 99% sure... Carson cuts her off. Nancy, 99% isn't good enough. You better be absolutely positive if you're going to ask her any personal questions. Nina came on this cruise for a vacation, just like the rest of us, and I know that she values her privacy. Nancy was astonished and hurt. Her father was usually willing to listen. She couldn't remember the last time he treated her this way. Was it because he was getting too involved with Nina De Silva? She gritted her teeth, determined to make her point. Carson really is being a lot more harsh on Nancy, I guess, and he does have feelings for Nina, so this could be why he's being very protective of her. Nancy then tells Carson about the notes and the flowers. Carson said, okay, we will speak to Nina again because now he's worried about Nancy's safety. Okay, fair enough. It's like, hey, dad, I got these notes and flowers. I'm scared. You should have probably said that from the start. I guess she never really had a chance still. They speak to Nina. She denies her any problems. However, there is something she would like to speak to Carson and Nancy about, but not right at that minute. Before retiring to her room for the night, Nancy runs to the florist to find out who ordered the flowers, but they don't know. All they know is that the flowers were charged to Carson's room, which is quite smart, actually. The next day, Carson and Nancy finally spend some quality time together at the pod. They are in Paranguá in Brazil and are wandering around and again the author nails it with the descriptions. In the sunny weather the whitewashed shops and houses gleamed and waves of heat rippled off them so they seemed to float in their gardens of exotic flowers. Mmm, sounds sublime. Later that afternoon Randy calls out to Nancy and she wanders over to him but not before a close call with a motorbike. Randy manages to jump and push Nancy out of the way before the bike collided with her. Phew, that was lucky. Randy tells Nancy later that he thinks the incident was no accident and he thinks that she's made an enemy. Okay, that was weird and came out of nowhere. Nancy warms to him and is grateful and tells him to meet her in the Opal Lounge. Okay, why do I feel like Nancy is about to spill the beans to Randy on this whole incident? Uh, because that's exactly what she does. She lays the whole case down for Randy and he is keen to help her solve it. For what the actual case is, I assume right now we're just trying to figure out who is after Nancy and sent her that note flowers and almost knocked her off a motorbike. Next, Nancy catches up with Captain Brandt on the shuffleboard deck. I've only seen this game played on cruise ships, but a quick Google told me that there are shuffleboard tables and it's played outside cruise ships too. Um, I'm going to guess that's true. I trust Google, (laughs) but I've, yeah, only ever seen it on cruise ships and it's quite fun to play, even though I managed to like hit the puck and it goes way off the board and, you know, at the other end of the ship and when the ship's moving, it goes flying. (laughs) 
Captain Brandt tells Nancy all about Nina and her late husband, Hector. It turns out that Hector used to own the cruise line that operates the Emerald Queen. However, he ran into money problems and had to sell the cruise line but stayed on as general manager of the ship. Nancy wanted to know what general managers do and Captain Brandt replies, He's a company liaison, travels on all the cruises, oversees the ship's management. He's the final authority on everything outside the actual mechanical running of the ship. I don't hold with it on general principle, but I'll trust Hector not to interfere with a captain's command of his ship. This gets Nancy super excited as it creates a link between the De Silvers and Antonio. Nancy rushes and calls Anne Granger from the morning record. Anne was first featured in Trial by Fire. However, in Very Deadly Yours, we were told that Anne now works for a newspaper in Chicago. So there's another continuity error there. It kind of bothers me, but they're also really fun to point out. I guess she is back at the morning record now. We don't know what Nancy asks Anne to find out, but I'm sure it'll be paramount to solving this mystery. This also really annoys me. I like trying to solve the mysteries myself, but when we don't have vital information, it's really hard. Next, Nancy heads to see Nina to see if she's ready to talk, but when she arrives at Anne's cabin, it's completely empty. Not even the blueprint is in there. That's strange. I wonder where she went. Maybe she left the ship at the port. Suddenly, the door slams shut and Nancy is thrown into darkness and here's the unmistakable sound of a switchblade. Sometimes the cliffhangers in these books are really like serious and sometimes it's just like a mistaken sound. This time I figured that it wasn't actually an attacker with a switchblade and it was just the door slamming shut and the switchblade sound was like a lock clicking because when cruise ship cabin doors close they are always pitch black unless you've got the window open or the blinds open rather on your balcony deck. But if it's an inside cabin, then yeah, they'll be thrown into complete darkness. However, this time uh, it is actually a switchblade as Nancy is attacked and someone raises a knife to her throat and they tackle for a while and Nancy notes that her attacker smells like soap. So I guess her attacker is not Antonio. The attacker is wearing a diving mask so she doesn't get to see who it is before they flee. However, she tells a crew member that Antonio tried to kill her and he accompanies Nancy back to the room only to find it empty. Okay, Nancy, that's a bit of an oversight. You can't just say that someone attacked you when, one, you didn't see their face, and two, you would have known it was Antonio by his cologne because it's very, very solid when he's around. Speaking to her father and the captain later on, Nancy learns that Nina left the ship in the last port and flew back to the United States for urgent business. Nancy and Carson are both annoyed and surprised that Nina didn't tell them she was leaving. Poor Carson. He really has got his heart broken there. Nancy explains about what she overheard on the cruise deck the other day and how she thinks Nina might have been blackmailed and left the ship to avoid it. Carson apologizes for not listening to Nancy, which I still think is wrong because she is still snooping, but it looks like she'll be saving the day. I'm also worried about the captain on the front of the book. He's nice. I really don't want anything to happen to him. Yet, looks like he's going to be passed out. 
Captain Brandt tells Nancy that Randy was the one to inform him of Nina's disembarkment. Now Nancy is worried and she doesn't know whose side he is on. Well, Nancy, you should know never to confide. Nevertheless, get someone helping you with these cases, especially when you originally suspected them. I hope for Nancy's sake that Randy isn't involved in this and she doesn't have bad error of judgment. Eventually, Nancy catches up with Randy, who has been busy decorating the ballroom, and again, our author drops some descriptive text. The ballroom had been decorated in green and gold with huge bouquets of hothouse orchids spilling out of dozens of vases. The moon shone into the room, coaxing rainbows from the many facets of the eight-spoke green glass chandeliers that spread across the ceiling. Ah, that sounds beautiful. I just, yeah, I really love these descriptive phrases. Uh, Nancy and Randy talk and he slaps away a mosquito while continuing to be his flirty self. Oh, and I should probably say that through this book, he's been calling Nancy blue eyes. He pulls Nancy aside and tells Nancy that he believes they are dealing with some ruthless people and Nina was right to leave the ship. He doesn't get to say much more because he slumps to the floor with a dart in his neck. Oh, so it's Randy on the cover, not the captain. I guess they're similar uniforms. Also, the book said the captain had dark curly hair and the guy on the cover is blonde like Randy. So, oops, my bad. (laughs) Someone with a strong knowledge of South American jungle warfare has managed to make a weak concoction to knock Randy out. Nancy figures the blackmailer knows that Randy knows something and overheard him saying that he wants to talk to Nancy. She figures the same person is behind the motorbike incident. Okay, I feel like you're reaching at straws there, but all right, let's go with that theory, Nancy. So I'm really lost here. I have no idea who's behind everything. Lynn seems too ditzy. Antonio, well, he's known for his strong smell and her attackadent smell of cologne. He's Brazilian, but we don't know if he's familiar with jungle warfare. Randy has lived extensively in South America, both as a kid and an adult. The book hasn't mentioned if he knows much about the jungle, though. I'm really, really puzzled. And speaking of puzzles, when Nancy remembers the note and goes back to her room to get it, it's gone. The cabin doesn't look like it's been broken into. So that means only staff can enter either Randy, Antonio, the captain or any of the other staff members we're not aware of. Nancy then decides to take a hot bath. Wow, a cruise ship cabin with a bath. They really did get spoiled. Unfortunately, Nancy doesn't get to take a bath as she walks into the bathroom and gets electrocuted. Thankfully, she doesn't die, but it seems the switch has been sabotaged and Nancy is convinced that Antonio is responsible. I guess lots of clues point to him, but I'm really not buying it. The whole something is bothering Nancy, but she can't remember what thing happens. Ah, yes, I can't remember the most important clue to solving the case situation occurs. I think it's got something to do with the attack in Nina's room, Nancy. You know, your attacker didn't smell like musk. I might be wrong, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Nancy is feeling better the next day. However, Randy is not feeling better at all and he's getting transferred to a naval hospital when they get to Rio. The captain also tells Nancy that Antonio wasn't on shore yesterday and that he was with the captain all day so it couldn't have been him that hit her with the motorbike. Well, tried to hit her with the motorbike. Um, a quick reference is made to Sugarloaf Mountain before Nancy sees Ashley and Antonio deep in conversation. However, Nancy doesn't get to eavesdrop on their conversations because she's interrupted. 
They arrive in Rio and the crew are excited about Carnival. Why do I feel like there's going to be a dangerous situation that no one notices because of all the excitement of Carnival? I feel like my predictions are getting better. Um, however, I might be wrong. They mentioned the captain even gave the entire crew the night off, which would give them plenty of opportunity to hurt her. They disembark the ship and Nancy greets them and they head to the Imperial Hotel in Copacabana Beach. A quick Google search tells me that this is not a real hotel. In the book, they mention it's a luxurious hotel and the only result that came up for my search was a zero-star hostel, so it can't be the same place. Ned's excitement for Carnival is short-lived when Nancy tells him she's on a case. He begrudgingly accepts it. Nancy hears back from Anne and gets tons of information and she refers back to the Emerald Heist. It turns out that Hector de Silva was going to be indicted for his involvement, but then he died without anyone ever finding the loot. We also learn that Randy was working on the Emerald Queen when all this went down, despite him saying this was only his second ever cruise on the ship. So he lied. Yikes. I'm not surprised he may be involved, but why did he dart himself to get off the ship? This makes no sense. Nancy calls the hospital to speak to him, but is told he is not there. Suddenly, Nancy explains that she needs to get quickly back on the ship as she's figured out what Antonio is after and that he's about to find it. Okay, Nancy, can you care to share with the rest of the the class what's happening? Because I'm absolutely lost. I'm guessing that Randy has the gems. Antonio knows Randy has the gems and has been trying to take Randy out. That bike on the island easily could have been someone Antonio teed up to hit Randy but almost got Nancy instead. Maybe it was Lynn riding it. I I don't know. I'm lost. I'm lost. I failed this mystery. I have no idea. Nancy tells Ned, all you need to know right now is that there's a cache of stolen jewels somewhere aboard that ship and we've got to find it before the bad guy does. But who's the bad guy? Like Andy, uh, Randy rather, or Antonio? I guess Randy, but I'm still lost. Once they are on the way back to the ship, Nancy fills Ned in and me. (laughs) Nancy goes on to explain. So I put together that with what I already knew. One, Antonio was trying to extort some kind of map from Nina. Two, the De Silva's had serious money problems. Three, Antonio and Mr. De Silva had some kind of correspondence about a map. And then I realized that De Silva must have collaborated with Antonio. He and Antonio together stole this cargo of emeralds somehow and hid it aboard the Emerald Queen. Wait a minute, you've lost me, Ned said. First of all, what makes you think the emeralds are still there? Why didn't De Silva or Antonio collect them? Uh, Nancy goes on to say that De Silva didn't retrieve them right away because he was suspected of having stolen them. If he found them, then that would just make him look guilty. However, he died before the inquiry was over and then Antonio couldn't get them because he didn't know where they were. Uh, and therefore Hector De Silva had double crossed Antonio. And okay, Ned and I are still confused. How did you know that Nina hasn't already found them? She could be in Miami living it up. And Nancy just replies with, because Nina didn't have all the clues. Uh, Hector wasn't a total crook. He wanted uh, Antonio to get his cut. He just wanted to make sure that Nina got her share as well. uh, When Antonio finally dug them out of their hiding place. He wrote a letter to Antonio telling him that Nina had the key to the Emerald's hiding place. That's the letter that I found in Antonio's room. 
However, the idea backfired when Nina came on this cruise, hoping to find the emeralds herself. Antonio tried to intimidate her into giving him the map, but she wouldn't, Ned prompted. She couldn't, Nancy corrected him. She couldn't because she'd already passed on the map to Nancy. All right, I'm still confused. And Nancy explains the drawing of the spider. Is that the map? And Nancy says, yes, it has to be. First of all, I thought it was the blueprint of the ship that Antonio was after. But then I realized if it had been anything that simple, Nina would have had figured it out and retrieved the emeralds a long time ago. No, I think that De Silva somehow coded his hiding place in a bizarre drawing and that Nina slipped it under my desk, uh, under my door rather, knowing I was her detective. Maybe she hoped that somehow I'd realize it was me and decipher it for her. Or maybe she just lost her nerves and decided to try and hide it from Antonio. Okay, this note seems like the longest stretch, um, but I guess I'll buy it. And that was why Nancy, or Nina rather, was excited to find out that Nancy was a detective. I'm still so confused, but it turns out I did have all the clues and I was just silly. I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still really lost. This seems all so complicated. Nancy and Ned get back on the ship and start searching for the gems. They find nothing in... Antonio's room and check the sick bay. They don't find anything in the sick bay, but Randy's jacket, which is there with a black smear of the poison. I'm not sure if the specifics, but the dart hit him in the neck and this smear was on the pocket. So yeah, that's a bit weird. Unfortunately, they're not able to get access to the medical records as it's in a locked cabinet, but they do find a box holding Nina's emerald necklace. Nancy believes that Nina is in danger because she would never leave that necklace behind and she's being held hostage on the ship somewhere. If that's the case, her kidnapper went to a lot of effort to clear out her cabin, like pack everything up. So if Nina was being held hostage on the ship, the only place that no one ever goes to is the lifeboats. They rush over there and they find her still alive but unconscious. They winch the lifeboat down and rush to the hotel to get Nina to safety. Wouldn't you take her to a hospital rather than a hotel room? I guess they both know how to pilot lifeboats too, which is good. After a couple of hours, Nina is awake and ready to talk. I wonder what she was knocked out with. Maybe that South American jungle poison stuff? It turns out that Hector had money issues and Antonio proposed that he hide some gems he had stolen on the ship and once he sold them, Hector would get a cut. However, Hector got nervous and thought that Antonio would double cross him and change the hiding spot uh, and told Nina and Antonio where the new hiding place was by that cryptic Black Widow puzzle. How Nancy figured out that was beyond me. I wish I was this smart. Anyway, I really don't like this mystery. It's all too complicated and like why would you just just oh my god, just hide some gems and tell someone and work together. Why why to make why make everything complicated? Um Carson is really annoyed that Nina played this silly game. It's also weird seeing Carson get angry at people, especially those he seemed to care about. I wonder if Carson ever gets angry at Bess or George or Ned. Nina tells Nancy that she was attacked and Nancy again assumes it was Antonio, but Nina said no, it couldn't have been because the person who attacked her was smaller. Nancy then realizes that her attacker was also smaller and concludes that Antonio has an accomplice. 
The first assumption of the accomplice was Ashley, I mean Lynn Ashley, uh, because Nancy saw Antonio and Lynn talking and no one saw her on the island and it was also hard to tell if the motorbike rider was male or female. So it could be Ashley. If that's true, where does she fit in? Why did Antonio choose Lynn Ashley? Nancy, Carson, and Nina work on figuring out the code on the spider note, and they figure out that if you read it anti-clockwise, every second letter spells Nina. Nancy then somehow figures that the crystals are hidden in the ballroom chandelier, the one with eight spokes and are made from green crystals. Blah, I guess it's a good guess and it makes sense. Spider has eight legs. Chandelier has eight spokes. <laughs> anyway, Nancy and Ned make their way on the ship and stack tables and chairs together and find the emeralds. Yay! However, the victory is short-lived when Antonio appears with a gun. He thanks Nancy for finding the gems. Nancy learns Antonio doesn't know Nina was kidnapped, so there's definitely someone else involved. Shortly after, Ned appears and knocks Antonio out and Nancy and Ned make a run for it. Once safe in the crowds of Carnival, they discuss that Antonio and his accomplice are not telling each other everything and make a plan. Ned heads back to the ship and Nancy heads to Sugarloaf Mountain to speak to the captain and her father. She gets lost but finally finds her way before Randy appears and stops her in her tracks. Nancy spills the beans to him and then he gets excited about the fact that she found the emeralds and wants to know where they are. Nancy gets uneasy and jokes him away, then questions why he isn't at the hospital and he said whoever shot the dart didn't use enough to hurt him seriously. Nancy then realizes that Randy shot himself. Now she knows he's dangerous and she must get away from him. He insists on coming with her but finally listens to her after she tells him that Ned will get jealous. Why do men always listen once another man is involved? Anyway, Nancy continues to Sugarloaf Mountain, still not 100% on the direction. I thought Nancy was good with directions. Why is she so clueless now? I guess there is a festival going on and she's in another country and all, but still. She realizes that Randy is following her and disguises herself by joining what looks to be a religious group's in yellow robes, the same colour as her shirt, what a great coincidence, and starts walking with them. Pretty genius idea, Nance, I'll give you that. Eventually, she loses Randy and continues to Sugarloaf and bribes the cable car operator to let her get up immediately, which she agrees to, but not before letting in one last passenger, Randy. Oh gosh, stuck in a cable car with someone who may be dangerous. I feel like it's going to be okay and they'll reach the top just in time, but yikes. I'm guessing Ned or Carson will save the day. Probably Ned. He would have had to have got there beforehand for some reason, though. Let's see what happens. Randy threatens Nancy with a knife. She says he'll never get the emeralds and the police are probably there now confiscating them. Randy jokes that Carnival is on its the busiest holiday of the year and that the police will be busy dealing with that and no one will be at the police station. Maybe that's true, but he's forgetting that Carson is Nancy's dad. And we know that he has friends in high places, even in Interpol, which we learned in Case 25, Rich and Dangerous. And guess what, Randy? Interpol have a Brazil division, so Carson's probably called them. While in the dangerous situation of being in a rickety old cable car, slowly heading up Sugarloaf Mountain, Randy decides that it's time to spill all. It turns out, yes, Randy was working with Antonio. He said that Antonio was useless and because of him, their plan had failed. Randy saved Nancy's life from the motorbike incident to teach Antonio a lesson for not telling Randy about the idea. 
Nancy notices that Randy has delusions of grandeur and Randy believes that all of Antonio's mistakes will place him in jail and Randy will get away with it. But first he's going to kill Nancy, Carson and Nina. How? By pushing them out of the cable car. First Nancy, then he'll head up to the mountain, get Carson and Nina in the car and then eventually push them out too. There is a rocky section below and falling from this height would be instant death. Nancy and Randy begin to struggle. However, Nancy loses and he pushes her out of the cable car. Thankfully, Nancy catches a safety railing and pulls herself up, only to be grabbed by a hand. But it's not Randy's, it's Ned's. He didn't go to the ship, he followed them and get this, got on top of the cable car back at the landing. Are you kidding me? Ned was just hanging on the roof of a cable car going up a mountain. Okay, dude. Like, this is ridiculous. This is how I see this situation. Nancy is hanging by Ned's hands outside of the car and Ned is still on the roof and Randy is inside because the book says that Nancy uses her legs and kicks Randy, which causes him to fall and knock his head. And he goes unconscious. Then Ned pulls Nancy into the car and they are safe. This is almost as weird as the helicopter incident in Sinister Paradise. Like, this is the most dramatic, crazy, would never, ever happen in real life. This should be in an action movie type of scene. But there's still so many loose ends. What's happening to Antonio? Like, who's getting the diamonds? Is Nina going to be in trouble? I guess we've still got to find out. The rest of the case is explained at breakfast the next day. The book ends with Carson, Ned, Nancy and Matt and Melissa Jordans, the newlywed couple from earlier on in the book, all sitting around discussing the case. It turns out it was Randy, not Antonio, that presented the idea of stealing the gems and selling them to get Hector out of money trouble. Antonio then found out about the plan and wanted in on it. However, Hector was worried that Randy was going to kill someone, so he changed the hiding place of the gems and then left notes for people to find them. Uh, yeah, this case was way too complicated. Basically, uh, Randy was annoyed because it was his idea to steal the gems and then Antonio and Hector double-crossed him because Hector and Antonio didn't trust him and that's why there was all this drama happening. And he was worried that he wasn't going to get a cut. Well, yeah, I don't know why Hector thought Randy was going to kill someone. It just all seems weird, but it turns out he does have the the desire to kill somebody, as we saw in a cable car. But, yeah. Anyway, the book ends with Nancy and Ned having a romantic time in Rio. Yay, so I'm glad they do get some vacation time. So, my thoughts. First off, I love cruising, so anything on a cruise ship I'll instantly adore. The book did mention a lot of cruise-specific things and activities, so I really did like that about the book. The actual mystery Nancy was solving was a bit up in the air. Like Carson said, Nancy was just butting in a lot. I like that we saw some emotion and personality from Carson, though. The scene at the end with Ned on the roof of a cable car and Nancy being able to knock someone out while being held in her uh, held by her arms mid-air was ridiculous but still fun. I'll give the book three stars. I just really found the mystery too disjointed. I apologize. I know that this one might have been a bit too hard to follow along. Uh, it's just that I was writing this as I was reading it. So, 
you're kind of just as confused as I am. Um, and yeah, my comprehension of the mystery wasn't the best, but yeah, I just, I, I'm sticking with my three star review of this book. Not a huge fan. Uh, there was no hookups and there was a three near death experiences. Uh, Nancy was held at gunpoint by Antonio getting thrown out of a cable car and almost getting hit by a motorbike bringing the total of near-death experiences to 65. And because there were no hookups, the tally stays the same with George at three and Ned, Nancy and Bess all on four. Thank you very much for listening and I look forward to seeing you on the next case, number 29, Pure Poison. Bye, detective.